When I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer, and now I'm an entrepreneur. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Josh Zad. Josh opened his first Alfred Coffee location in 2013 on tree-lined Melrose Place with the trademarked catchphrase, but first, coffee. With his knack for eye-catching design and innate understanding of customer wants, Zad has developed Alfred into the standard bearer on how to successfully marry a brick-and-mortar offering with an enduring, memorable digital presence. After successfully growing to 16 locations now across the U.S. and Japan, Josh has more recently shifted gears and launched his newest concept, Kalidad Beer. Now in shifting gears full-time and creating Kalidad, Zad is looking to do what he did with common, everyday beverages like coffee and tea, but with a new product, beer. Kalidad Beer is an uncomplicated and drinkable Mexican-style lager that is matched equally in its attention to design, brand story, and consumer connection, all with a laid-back California attitude. Less than one year after launch, Kalidad can be found in over 900 locations across Southern California, from Whole Foods to Disneyland. He has his BA in economics from Yale University and his MBA from UCLA Anderson in finance and real estate. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Josh. What's up, Ben? Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Honored to have you. I mean, I was just telling you now, when I first started this podcast, you're one of the people that immediately came to mind. I think you do so many things well, especially witnessing Alfred's brilliance firsthand growing up here in LA. It's been remarkable to see what you've built. You've changed Melrose Place. And I think what so many people are, are fascinated by is just your branding ability. You know, like, how do you, how do you conceive of the vision for Alfred and, and Kalidad too? I want to know about both. How does the vision for the brand come to you? And then how do you go about executing those into something tangible? Um, well, great question. And, and thanks for having me, of course. And I, and I appreciate that I was on, on your short list of uh, top guests here. But for me, it's, it's really taken a lot of time to understand what I'm good at and become confident what I'm good at. And further to that, what I am good at is, is kind of executing uh, and problem solving uh, like, you know, in the short term, in the near short term. Um, I was never a big, you know, what's your five-year plan, 10-year plan kind of, you know, question when you're asked that, when you're applying for schools and stuff. And it never really made sense to me to think that far ahead. Um, but coming to grips with the fact that, that I'm, I'm a good operator and I can really execute in the moment uh, really allows me to, to do what, you, what, you're, what you're telling me that, that, that I'm good at, which is, let's say, branding, right? I have an idea, I have a concept, um, I can devote all of my thought and my, my time and my resources to that and um, make it as great as I can uh, in the moment. And that's really, really important for me. So, you know, when I started Alfred, it wasn't like, what's this thing going to look like in five years? Um, where are we going to be? How many locations? What is the brand going to look like? What is it going to entail? But for me, it was really like, we're going to open one location and we're going to make it the best possible. Uh, and you know, things that I enjoy that I'm confident about, um, branding, photography, design, I'm going to incorporate all of those and we'll see where it goes next. So it's really been important for me to kind of be honest with myself and get better at that. 
To your point about design, I think you rightfully get so much credit for making Alfred and Kalidad Instagram-friendly brands. One thing that strikes me, though, is one of your most brilliant design flourishes is actually something we don't see when we walk into Alfred, which is outlets. And so people aren't sitting there with laptops. You don't see a bunch of people on Microsoft Word or Final Draft or Excel. People are coming in, they're talking, they're having a good time. They're enjoying the conversation with their great cup of coffee. And I think that was something brilliant because a lot of coffee shops, you know, you'll walk in and it just doesn't have that same energy. But right off the bat, Alfred did. And I'm curious, what are some choices you made in terms of branding and design in terms of things you steered away from that you think have been important in shaping Alfred? Yeah, I mean, what you mentioned right now, the, the outlets thing was was kind of an early decision. Um, of course, you think coffee shop, you think Wi-Fi. So we had to have Wi-Fi, but how do you keep people from not being on their computers and, and, and planting all day long? So uh, cutting out the, all the electrical outlets in the first location and then not having any, uh, as we started building more and more was was very critical to that. I mean, Wi-Fi feels like a God-given right, but you can't find an electrical outlet and you're like, oh, maybe they couldn't figure out the electrical for that space, or maybe they couldn't run the wiring properly. Um, it's, it's more vague, so we get away with that. Um, yeah, for us, it's, you know, the things, that are really important to us in design uh, are definitely the customer flow, the way people walk in, um, what they see when they walk in, what they hear when they walk in, um, if they're in line or they go straight to the register, if there is no line, um, what are they engaging with, you know, um, from the cold case to retail items, just really, really trying to control the flow of people. I mean, you see Starbucks, you see Starbucks, especially in airports that really have that, that great flow and that checkout right before you leave with, you know, you're going to grab, you know, almonds or something last minute, but a lot of time and effort goes into to creating that flow. So anybody who walks up knows exactly where to go, where to stand and continue. So we put a lot of effort into that. Um, and, you know, uh, the customer service, I think is very important for us too. We put a lot of effort into customer service and making sure people feel um, welcome. They feel uh, excited about their visit. And if something were to go wrong, that they're taken care of and they, and they, they feel like their their needs were adequately uh, met. I think one of the first things somebody notices when they walk into to Alfred is the but first coffee, and you you do have this very energetic flow, especially the Melrose Place location. You walk in, it's very inviting. You go down the stairs, you look at these the great merch and the great offerings you have before you even get to the register. You're having this. It's kind of like when you think of Disneyland, they make the lines in such a way where you're like hopefully having a good time while you're waiting for the ride too. That that's what it kind of feels like when you go into Alfred. And along the way, you know, you have all these all these things that are like the but first coffee sign that are made very well for social media. So I'm curious like your reach with Alfred right now is 145,000 followers on Instagram. That's incredible. That's a lot, especially for a coffee shop. How do you go about reflecting that same awesome experience you're giving to people in the store? How do you go about reflecting that on social media? So people who haven't yet walked in or are looking forward to coming in or learning about the brand for the first time can experience that too. Yeah, so it's, it's really important to have a consistent uh, presence, right? So you mentioned, um, you know, maybe you're somebody who lives up the block from Alfred, you go four or five times a week. That person to maybe you're visiting from, from out of town and you've been following us for a while, following our developments for a while, um, you have a certain expectation. So when you go visit, you need it to match, right? Not just, you know, this drink is cool or the design is cool in the space, but the same kind of uh, attitude that we present 
um, it, it must be intertwined across all channels, right? So for for us, the, the way we do that, and, and of course it gets harder and harder the, the, the bigger we get, but really it's about having a tight team, um, everyone's on the same page, and really defining what our personality is and having that permeate through through all channels. So I think Alfred from, from day one takes on a lot of my personality. Um, so it's, it's, you know, free spirited a little bit, hyper, um, can't really sit still. So our, our designs, our, our pastry bags, our neon, our social media icon, I mean, everything is always changing um, and being updated. But also what's, what's changing uh, is our offering, right? So whether it's like being the first cafe to launch oat milk in LA or launching a drink special like, like a Chaga Chino, things like that, really staying on the cutting edge and listening to what's out there and being able to roll those things out very quickly, which kind of fits into that. So, so you see it on social, you see a crazy personality, a fun personality, but in the cafes also, you see that um, in terms of the drink specials or um, you know, the merch that we launch, things like that. So it's, it's really about having a, a, an attitude, a perspective, and making sure that it's consistent across digital and physical. You know, you talk about bringing chaga. My girlfriend just got renewed because she's obsessed with the chaga she she got at Alfred. And I think you you've done such a brilliant job of figuring out like, okay, we we don't have to stick to whatever all the other coffee shops are doing. They can do that, but we can incorporate new things. We can experiment. We can have fun. And I think that that has really translated well into the branding side of things too. So, for example, when I look at Kalidad. I love how you guys worked with Land, who also worked with Stumptown, and you worked with Herman Shear on the website. What's the process like when you're collaborating with different entities? Um, and I know for for Kalidad, you worked with them. I don't know if you had like design help with Alfred or if that was purely just just you. I'm curious about what like the design process is like as you're going through it. Uh, so Alfred, we've we've done everything. We've been very fortunate to do it all in house so far. We have a, I think we're probably the only coffee shop with with two graphic designers full-time um, on in the business. So uh, we've been very fortunate. It's, it's been much easier for, for me and for us because we never really expected to get here. So it's all been very organic. So opening one cafe, making fun signs all over the place from like, you know, this is the restroom sign to try our cold brew and explaining what cold brew is eight years ago. Um, and just doing that all in-house was great. Um, so we've kind of grown from there and <clears throat> and adopt that personality and just have a bigger team around it. Um, you mentioned for, uh, for Cali Dad, we, we, did, we hired my first time hiring an agency, which was Land in Austin. And then of course, for my website, uh, we used Herman Shear, which we also used for Alfred. I think the most important thing for me is try to always reach into my network of friends and support friends that do great things before kind of looking outside of that network and um, bringing on other people. So that's really important for us in, in, in honestly anything we do. And whether it's a friend to begin with or they become friends, it's, it's this business, especially Alfred has been built on a lot of these relationships. So from Stumptown to the gentleman that makes all of our uh, mugs and, and that kind of merchandise to the company that we work with for hats and sweatshirts and t-shirts. I mean, these people have all really become close to us uh, over the years. And, you know, they either started as friends or became friends, but it's close to us to kind of keep those relationships and not just be, trying to you know, look for the best deal in, in terms of whatever we're working on, because I think long-term it really pays off. And there's a level of care that kind of goes back into it and you can, you can feel it. 
you mentioned you just mentioned Austin land is based in Austin and Alfred is largely a SoCal brand but you also do have a location in Austin and Alfred tea shops in uh, tea rooms rather in Japan I'm so I'm so curious like how do you go about making sure that people in different communities uh, enjoy it just as much as Angelino's? It is a very LA brand, but you've succeeded in in having people in very different communities enjoy it just as much, if not more. If you look at how much people in Japan are loving the tea rooms, even when it's you know the home of tea is mm-hmm. Japan. So you found a way to kind of transcend different communities with a still very uh, a brand that still feels very LA. Yeah, I mean. It- so there's, there's certain things that do carry over, like our brand and aesthetic and neon. Um, but the most important thing I think is, is not being so stiff and so strict and um, really learning how to do like a little bit more localization. You know, when we're launched in Japan, we're like, this is the tea menu. This is how the tea menu has to be forever. And, you know, big part of our tea menu here in LA is, is matcha, right? So we, we go to the first the tasting in Japan with their, their entire team and the test kitchen and stuff. And they present us the menu and there's no matcha on there. And we're like, what are you doing? This is, we're all matcha. They're like, no, 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 no matcha, no matcha. And we're like, what do you mean no matcha? They're like, well, in, J- in Japan, like matcha, it's just obvious. Like we don't need to like promote it. And I'm like, but well, that's all we promote here. So, you know, un- understanding little tidbits like that. And eventually we incorporate it a little bit into the menu, but it, it's just like, it's, it's really learning and understanding the culture uh, and not being like, this is exactly the way it has to be um, just to make it easier for, for places like Japan or even Austin, obviously to a lesser extent, um, be able to enjoy the product and, and really inject like their own kind of um, personality into the, into the cafes while having a consistent system that is essentially, you know, you, you know, it's Alfred from this, 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 but there's menu items that might appeal to different people, you know? In Austin, it's like carrying, you know, water brands that were like local water brands and, and doing our uh, $10 latte with a local uh, almond milk brand um, and really kind of ingraining ourselves in the community while never like sacrificing quality. So it's important to, to localize for sure. The tea room is a fascinating concept to me because I think ca- like the, the intuitive thing for, for many people would have just been fine. Let's just add tea to our Alfred coffee shops and we'll have coffee and tea. But you, you went in a different direction and you've made it its own brand. Tell me a little bit about that decision and is there, is there thoughts about consolidating or, you, you, or do you like the, the separation, the distinction between Alfred Coffee and Alfred Tea Room? Well, Ben, lucky for you, um, you hit the nail on the head. So, so uh, although for the longest time there were two different concepts, Alfred Coffee, Alfred Tea, um, it does get a little bit complicated for our team to manage the two, especially because they're kind of so similar, but so different, but so similar. It's a tricky, it's a tricky business. Um, you know, T a couple of years ago had a, had a huge moment. Um, T continues to have a moment, but I think it's dwarfed um, in comparison to coffee in terms of the, the, the daily need, the, the culture that coffee has. Um, tea is, is more of a, a treat, um, more of a delicacy in a lot of ways. So what I was alluding to before is, is the, the newer model of Alfred that we're launching in, in here in the U.S. and SoCal as we start, as we continue to grow in 2021 and beyond, the menus will um, 
you know, the distinction will kind of be blurred. So starting with our Abbott Kinney location that we're opening, it will, it will no longer be, you know, Alfred Coffee or Alfred Tea. It'll just be Alfred. Um, and it'll be a coffee first menu that will incorporate some of the heaviest hitters from the tea menu. So a more complete package. So let's say, you know, your girlfriend's a coffee drinker, you're a tea drinker. I mean, we already do it so well, both. So under one roof makes a lot more sense to kind of cast a wider net and really blur the distinction between the two as we go forward these new locations. I wonder though, I, I wonder if you would have entered Japan without the tea room. It feels like it, regardless of how the consolidation goes, it feels like that probably wouldn't have happened without the distinction, right? Uh, you know, probably not. We will continue. We have a the tea room on Melrose Place here that will continue to operate. Um, it's just a, a business decision that we made going forward to, you know, it's the same team behind the scenes. It's the same experts behind the scenes. So, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try something new and combine and combine going forward all new locations. So anything yeah. prior that's coffee or tea will stay the same. We'll, we'll of course get the same level of attention and care. But you know it's a it's a we're we're gonna make it, make Alfred 3.0 and, and kind of roll with it and see how it goes. Well, I'm really excited to hear that there's an Abbott Kinney location coming out, and it, it makes me think about. You've been you've been very selective about where you open Alfred. It's in very specific spots in LA and you haven't for the for the most part you've you've stuck in the greater LA area. I think it's it's fascinating that you have two very successful shops um basically like a block or two away from each other. Um can you talk a little bit about the thought that goes into the location and I remember in a conversation we had a while ago you turned down a lucrative opportunity to be at the Grove because I didn't fit right with the brand. I think a lot of people would have taken that cash cow as soon as they were offered it, but you made you made a decision that that didn't align with the brand, and you've gone in a different way that's that's worked much better for you. So, can you talk a little bit about when it comes to Alfred's growth? What's what's the thought process that goes into that? Yeah, coffee is a uh, is is community in a lot of ways, right? Um, when, when we're trying to find locations, there's a couple criteria. Uh, one of them is, is it like, we try to find irreplaceable locations. So, so just like really legendary spots or places that are recognizable or easily describable to people. Uh, another one is, you know, our, our success depends heavily on sales, right? Uh, we can make a beautiful shop. The rent can be zero, but if we don't have any bodies in there, then we can't continue, which means we can't employ, which means, you know, it's, it's a drag on the system. So, you know, a, a main priority is, can we get bodies in there? How do we get bodies in there? Is there a community? Is the community um, big coffee drinking community? Is it consistent? So you mentioned something like the Grove. Um, I think long-term, that's a, it's a great opportunity for, for a company like us. Um, but, you know, you don't have the same people coming in four or five times a week because it's a he heavy tourist um, attraction, tourist business, which is great for revenue, um, but it doesn't really ingrain ourselves in any community because it's a, it's a, a fleeting community, you know? So um, we wanna kind of open in places that, that will be embraced, that we'll have customers that come in, that we can know them by name, we can know their orders, um, and really just kind of help drive that and, and keep, the, keep the system going, uh, keep, hiring awesome people. So it all kind of feeds together. Pivoting a bit to, to Kalidad now, 
I want to ask you, you know, I, I, I know you, you recognize an opportunity in the craft beer space where there were a lot of these heavy IPAs, which I personally am not a huge fan of, and you saw, you saw an opportunity to come in. On the flip side, I wonder, like, did you, were you not weary of some of the, the bigger uh, competitors in that space, the more established names like Modelo, Corona? Like, did the thought ever come in, maybe there's a, maybe there's a reason why people haven't tried this because those players are there, or... Or was that not a thought at all? You knew that this was a, a different product. Well, I mean, the complicated thing is if if people didn't drink a lot of light lagers or Mexican beer, then those guys wouldn't be big. So they're big for a reason, right. which means there's a demand for it. Um, you know, any any business you want to get into is difficult, right? You could just be like, I'm opening a tapas restaurant. Well, there's not many tapas restaurants, but you're competing with all restaurants. I mean, it's just... You're competing with the same attention. Uh, Alfred opened at a time where, you know, Starbucks and Coffee Bean were dominating. Guess what? Starbucks is still dominating, opening, I don't know, 22,000 locations in the next five years or something. Um, but, you know, the, the beauty is they're doing a lot of the, the legwork for a lot of these smaller independent brands because they've been, what they've been doing for 20 years is creating, you know, that, that third place between the home and the office. This is where you stop every single day. Coffee is community. Um, you you can't function without your morning coffee. Wait in line, order on the app. So all those things that they've been educating really helps myself and a lot of the other smaller coffee shops like us um, to to survive and to become a part of the people's psyche. Same thing with beer. If it was if it wasn't diff, well the same way it's it's difficult because there's a few major players. Um, you know they beer is. The educational level of it is very low. I can hand you a, a Cali Dad and you can pretty much guess what it's going to taste like before you drink it. Um, because beer has been around for so long, it's not going out of style. And, you know, these, these other big brands have done a nice job of creating the occasion for when you drink a, a Mexican beer. It's like barbecue with your friends. You're on the beach. This is what you need. So, again, although it is difficult, um, you know, there's also a lot of education that's happened behind the scenes to get to this point where we can move a lot faster when we, when we did launch and, you know, we didn't have to kind of educate people on the, the, the health benefits or, you know, not necessarily health benefits, but, but, you know, what to expect when drinking beer, it was, let's go much faster. But this is, this is why this is the beer you need to drink, you know, made in California, way cooler than another one, higher quality products, um, so on and so forth. To that point about consumers already knowing what to what they're getting when they pick up a Kalidad, I think the fact that you had such a robust, successful pre-launch campaign, people even were so excited before they could go to the market and pick up a bottle or a can rather. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the notion of pre-launch, especially with social media. How do you go about getting customers excited about a product before they even have access to it? Well, yeah, it's funny because we had a we had a whole conversation yesterday in the past week about this because Calidad is actually launching a new a new line of uh, of Aguafresca agu seltzers, hard seltzers, and um, with no clear indication on when they're going to launch, we're like, let's we got to do the pre-launch thing again, right? The pre-launch and the pre-launch thing is not only important for customers to get excited, but it's like to keep ourselves excited and warm on the on the topic also. So you know, it works both ways. Right, we started Calidad. Um, we had some delays in, in launching and production. So, 
you know, of course we want to get the appetite out there in the public, but like, I got to keep my team going every day. You know, what are they going to think that it's like, all right, it might be another few more months. Well, that's not how it works. You know, we're not going to just sit, sit tight. So we're going to make this groundswell, this swirl of excitement, this action. And it's going to really take everyone from our team and from the public um, by storm and kind of keep us all on the same page and, and keep everyone salivating and excited for it to launch. So, you know, this, it's, it's kind of done out of necessity, but at the same time, um, you got to be really strategic with it. You got to do very, um, you know, you don't want to get people fatigued on it. So you got to be careful what you, what you discuss, what you show, how do you show something before you have it? How do you tease that um, without giving it all away at the same time? It's, it's, it's very, very tricky. Um, got to have a very disciplined approach to it, but uh, you know, end of the day, it's, it's, it's super important, especially because there's a lot of uncertainty when you're launching a new brand. So you got to embrace it. So, so when you're going through that process and you're figuring out, you know, the, the direction you want the brand to be reflected in, what, what does that look like? Like in your office, like, do you have a mood board? Do you have just the craziest Pinterest anybody's ever seen? Um, like, how do you, how do you organize your thoughts in such a way where you can, you can communicate to your team? This, this is what we're going for. I mean, we, we, we create a strategy, you know, I don't know what, what medium we use. It's always changing. Now we're using a lot of Dropbox paper, which is like kind of interesting. Um, but it's like, all right, this is the goal, right? Let's say the date is June 1st, 2021. This is today. So what are we going to do? Let's say we want to do a contest, but you pick the flavor of the seltzer. All right. So that's like step two, but before you can get there, pick the, okay. So you want to launch a pre-launch campaign of, of pick the flavor of the seltzer, let the customers decide, give them the power. All right. Well, first you have to go step back one step and you have to actually announce that you're launching a seltzer. So, okay. So set the stage. We're launching a seltzer stage two. You could pick the flavor and then, how do you get from there to, to launching it? You know? Um, so, you know, right before the launch, it has to be like the debut of the product, the debut of the box, and then kind of fill in the gaps and you have an uncertain amount of time. Is that four months, two months, three months? So you, you start there and you kind of get more information on the backside and you, and you just navigate it. And it's, it's a dynamic thing. Um, you know, one day we'll be like a Coca-Cola that knows exactly the next three years of their timelines of innovations and such. Um, but until then, it's a lot of a lot of um, a lot of faking it, but a lot of also, you know, figuring it out on the fly for sure. In terms of figuring things out this year, there were a lot of things to figure out with the challenges that the pandemic threw everyone's way, especially if you're in the business of servicing consumers, uh, especially on the retail side, like Alfred is. I'm curious, you know, throughout all this during this pandemic, have you had any new observations about? branding or retail or the beverage world that have inspired you to do something differently going forward that maybe you didn't think of before all this? Um, yeah, for sure. I think one thing that we really learned um, was that customers really like ordering on an app. Thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> we had been toying with an idea for an app for a couple of years um, and we were going to eventually pilot it at, at our alpha to go location and when the pandemic hit and it was like contactless is a must not letting people inside the cafes um we obviously sped up the the launch of the app and kind of held our breath fingers crossed let's see if this thing works 
Um, and lucky for us to, to a, a solid degree, it did work. People really enjoyed the app because um, we were, we're a company built on, you know, um, customer service. We're a company built on um, conversation and guiding customers through our menu. You know, maybe it's your first time. Well, what do you recommend? Well, that's all out the window now, right? So how do we adapt it digitally? Um, customer service becomes a different kind of customer service, becomes the customer service of please wear your mask or did you order or, oh, I'm so sorry we got your order wrong. Uh, must have come through on the app wrong. Let's fix it for you. So everything's adapting in that regard. But but I think technology and embracing that and, and allowing people an avenue to to order and then be able to reorder their special, their favorite drinks and time their pickups accordingly and be much more efficient is something that eventually needed to happen. Delivery is something that people needed to get better at. And you see a lot of restaurants that, that day one of pandemic to now have, have really stepped their game up and have figured it out a lot that unfortunately have not figured it out, which is really sad. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's really sped up a lot of things for the restaurant industry to figure out, um, to, to have to figure out, um, to survive. And hopefully there'll be learnings that we can carry over after all this is done and, you know, adapt kind of those lessons and those technology, uh, the technology we've embraced long-term. Before we get to some of the fun rapid fire questions, I want to ask you to share a story that, that you had brought up a while back about how Alfred was almost featured in the Entourage movie and how that was a learning lesson for you. Um, I got my revenge. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you got you got your revenge. And I'd say even more than that, because you got to curb your enthusiasm, which and I think ball, is a bigger and, win. And Ballers. Personally. So HBO, and HBO ballers. came back around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, share, share the story of what it was like, your, your conversations about potentially having Alfred featured in the Entourage movie and, and the aftermath of that, what, what do you thought about afterward? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a while since I told the story, but, um, I, I think given our, our location on Melrose place, I think given our, our, our reputation is really cool a couple of years in. Um, and I say cool cause it's like cool. Um, we were, we were approached by like the producers of the, of the entourage movie, which everyone just needs to take a step back and remember that it was like the biggest deal that they were doing this movie because the show was gone and the show was the best. And it was like, Oh my God, the movie, how is it going to, what is it going to be like? You know, how, what do we expect? So they reached out to film at Melrose place. Um, and they offered me a, a, a nice sum to close for the day. And I was like, you know, well, if they're offering that, they'll definitely offer, they'll definitely, do it for more. So I kind of pushed back a little bit more aggressively than I should have. Um, and they told me they get back to me, but they told me, they warned me that the, that the, 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 the decision makers were not going to take this too lightly. And it might be a slap in the face. And I was like, yeah, just come back with an offer. No problem. You know, negotiation one-on-one and they never responded to me. They went dark and I was devastated because they had a whole line in the, in the film that was going to reference Alfred. And I was like, this is going to be the biggest movie in history. I mean, it's like Star Wars potential. Um, and, you know, then I started calling them Then I seemed crazy because I was just like, no, no, you know, like, we'll, we'll do it for half the amount that you guys are offering. No problem. Anything. I had to get in there and it didn't work out. And the movie came out and it was a bust. So I didn't feel too bad about it, but it was really burning for a while. And of course, since then, we've been um, in, a, in a bunch of awesome shows. Um, 
uh, HBO specific even. So like Curb Your Enthusiasm, we might be doing that again. Um, uh, Ballers. So it's, it's, it's had a nice uh, arc of returning. So I, I'm, I'm not too upset about that anymore. But, you know, it was, a, it was a good and humbling lesson of not really pushing too hard um, when these things come about and really balancing the, the excitement versus just pure financial gain. So to be in something really cool like Ballers or obviously Curb Your Enthusiasm, I mean, I would pay to be in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> I hope they don't listen to this. Um, you know, that the, there's, there's certain things that you're really excited about and you want to share. And like years from now, I want to be able to share with my kids and just be like, this is the coolest thing. Um, because money is fleeting, we've learned this year. So um, it's really about taking that perspective and I use that as an opportunity to learn from that many years ago. And it kind of drives our decision making going forward for sure. Amazing. And if anybody wants to check out the clip of uh, of Larry David and JV Smoove at Alfred, you'll you might notice Josh in the background reading a reading the daily paper, which I thought was a fun little Easter egg. Yep. And uh, so on that on that happy note, we'll wrap up with some fun rapid fire questions. Firstly, what's an app that you can't live without? Let's say, aside in addition to the Alfred app, oh, what's another app you can't? Which, live by the way, I, I cannot <laughs> live without the Alfred app. Um, what am I into these days? My goodness, let's just see. Let me just swipe back. Well, I, I mentioned Dropbox Paper, which is ruining my life because I can't stop using it. So that's pretty good. Um, really into our Shopify page these days. So I keep I keep checking our sales, even though they're they're minuscule. It's, it's really, it's really user-friendly, um, app there. Huge ways guy, major ways guy. I love it. Even like to get home from my office sometimes just have it now. Um, what else do we mess with? Oh, I'm really into just got an Apple watch. So the, the fitness app, like competing with myself is kind of insane. It's like, I, I didn't stand for 12 hours today. I go nuts. So and then of course, put I feel like, I feel like you're a big walker though. I always like, you know, I, I would see you walking to Alfred at 8am, 8.30 pretty regularly. Yeah. It doesn't make sense the way it measures, calculates <laughs> it. You have to stand for 15 minutes every hour. So you can stand 12 hours consecutively, but like you don't hit it or maybe you do. I yeah. don't even know how that works. Um, and of course, Postmates <laughs> is yeah. life. So huge Postmates family yeah. over here. And who would, who would you like to play you in a movie about your life? That's <laughs> funny question. I have no idea. Um, I used to get a lot of Mark Ruffalo references, but now he's older than me and he's way cooler than me. So I don't know about that. <laughs> so I, I think we we'll have to we have to do a casting and just find like a a a new person. We'll find a new person. Yeah, we'll make we'll make a star <laughs> out of someone in their first acting gig. I yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Oh man, that is a great question. Um, play the guitar. It's a good one. Where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Australia. And lastly, we have a Spotify playlist where we add a, a song rec from each of our guests. What's a song that you're jamming to right now that you'd like to contribute to our Spotify? Oh playlist? man, I'm really back into 80s right now. Majorly back into the 80s. So I'd probably say, let's see. You know what's actually really good is, is Put Your Records On by Rit Momney. That's a good one. That's one I've been, All right. I've been rocking to. And then 80s, probably 
Give me higher love, Steve Winwood. Pick one of those two. Whatever misses goes with your right. flow a little bit better. So <laughs> perfect. Some feel good music and, there. Uh, yeah. Before we let you go, where can people find your brands and and check you out on social media? Yeah. Uh, so Alfred is is at Alfred. Easy enough. And then Cali Dad is at Cali Dad. And then you can follow me at at Josh from Alfred. So keeping it really simple. Perfect. I heard rumors about a fried chicken concept. Is that still happening or no? Oh, it's happening. Give us uh, oh boy. An, until May. It's called This or That Chicken. And that's all I'll tell you. But it's happening. All right. All right. We look forward to it. And if you'd like to check out the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at HDYDpod. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure.